time to talk training, fitness, and health on the Weight Endurance Podcast. We're not doctors, dietitians, or physiologists. We're professional coaches, and your hosts, Cody and Kathy Waite. We've worked with hundreds of endurance athletes over the last 15 years through our training facility, plans, and programs. Within this podcast, we're sharing our own training and racing experiences, along with the knowledge gained from working with our athletes. We'll be shedding light on the training methodologies that we've found to be the most successful in making you a fitter and faster cyclist. All right, welcome back, everybody. I'm Cody. I'm Kathy. Have you wondered where we've been? Probably. Have you you missed us, people? I hope so. I hope they missed us. So we have been gone quite a while. I think I looked um, before we started this up. It's been like two months since our last episode. We had just got back from wintering in Arizona. No, we did an episode down in Arizona, remember? No, we had just gotten back home. Oh, we did one back home? See, it's all blurred to me now. I think so. Yeah, I don't know. Um, we traveled a lot it, yeah. over the last several months. At any rate, it was the end of February. And yeah, we've just been on the road, basically, um, racing, which is the positive side. Like Racing has returned for much of the U.S. Yes, it's been very fun. We've had adventures and experiences and lots of lessons, and we're tired. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we have to pack up to leave again, and frankly, I'm not looking forward to it because I'm just tired of packing. But um, yeah, we, we tried to do podcasts on the road. We packed up the little equipment, took it with us and never had the time or the energy. Yeah, we had really good intentions. I mean, our recording equipment is super small. It has like a nice little carry case and it's like, oh yeah, let's bring it with us. We'll <laughs> we'll do some while we're, you know, traveling wherever we are, a piece of cake. But the tricky part, I think, is finding one, a place that where the acoustics are good enough, mm-hmm. right? Um, which our RV isn't too, too bad, depending on where we're parked, I suppose. Um, but I think the tricky part is finding the time of uninterrupted, you know, you, we needed at least a solid hour to do these. Um, often it's a more than that. And just find that uninterrupted while we're traveling with like the We Devo team or whatever just doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was definitely tricky, especially when the kids are knocking on the RV door Cody, come help me with my creaky bottom bracket. Right. Kathy, what are we doing for dinner? Right, right. <laughs> so at any rate, we are we are back. Um, and we do want to get our hopefully still there faithful listeners back up to speed and also get our own momentum going um, recording shows um, because we do want to keep this going. So what we came up with is we're going to do um, this episode and five more. So six episodes coming up that are going to be based on race racing and race preparation tips and strategies for early season racing or is it just no just all racing okay yeah this this today's episode will be specifically about early season racing okay gotcha it's like a race event prep series six part series and we're gonna they're gonna be shorter than normal hopefully so we're gonna minimize the rambling um and hopefully get these in the 20 to 30 minute range and release them every other day for about two weeks for the six episodes and um, kind of get get everybody back up to speed and kind of, like I said, get our ball rolling. Well, and frankly, it's like really fitness. fun to talk about because we've been racing, the the young riders on the We Race team have been racing. And for sure. I mean, there's really nothing more that I like talking about than everything that's happened, like who had a good race, who who learned from something, what did I learn, um, you know, what could we do better? It's just, it, it's so fun to to talk about those race experiences. Yeah, really. yeah. I mean, in the last six or so weeks, um, I've been in or at, uh, gosh, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, uh, you lost like track. 14 yeah. races or something. So yeah. um, actual like race starts, different formats and things. So we'll, we'll go over that briefly here just to, in the what have we been up to segment. So tons of racing. It's fresh on our mind. So we, we're hoping this is a good idea. All right. So this is episode 59. Um, like I said, event prep series number one of six. Um, so look for some, some more, um, episodes coming out, uh, two through six in this race prep series. And then hopefully you, the listener, you know, have some events also happening. Um, I know some of our adult athletes have been able to get into some, some gravel races are popping up, mountain bike races, depending on where you live. Um, here in, in Colorado, well, actually, um, the first race was like canceled, right? Hasn't the well? Let's back up though. The um, 
You know, which race got canceled? The RME. Oh, the mountain bike race got canceled. Yes, but I was thinking about the Pueblo road race. Road racing in Colorado yesterday, like the Pueblo Classic. I think they had a road race and then a crit. Right. So events are happening. So we feel this is timely. Um, So today's episode is going to be specifically on early season racing, why you do it, um, why they're important, and things of that nature. Um, but before we get into that, I want to remind everyone our show is sponsored by The Pressery. Mm-hmm. Um, wonderful company here that has generously made uh, some donations over the last three years to our redevelopment team. And um, they make fresh-made noodles and bone broth cups. It's like a prepackaged um, ramen or pho, pho kit, they call it, um, <laughs> that you... It's like a single-serve deal, and it, they're fresh noodles. So forget the dehydrated, crunchy noodles. They're actually fresh noodles in a little vacuum pouch. Heat up your broth, put them together. Delicious. And then they also have standalone bone broth that we've talked about many times before in the show. And I I love bone broth. Yeah, the bone um, broth is my favorite of their products because it's so rich with nutrients, and it really supplements any sort of soup or curry you're going to make at the house. And that's sort of my go-to for family meals. Yeah, you're the, the soup queen in our house. I mean, I love <laughs> soups. Um, and to make it with the pressery bone broth is amazing. So now they are equipped uh, to – you can order online. Don't have to go to the store. You order online, uh, pressery.com, and order your noodle packs, your ramen, um, and have them shipped right to your door. They have a really cool subscription program. That's what we're on. So we get six uh, 20 – Four ounce bottles, I believe they are, um, shipped to our door. Six, no, I think eight 24 ounce bottles um, is what we're on once a month shipped to our door. It's really cool. Um, so if you're interested, check them out, pressery.com, and um, use the code WAIT10, all capitals, at checkout, and you'll get 10 bucks off your order. And that could be like a single order, or if you sign up for the subscriptions, it's 10 bucks off your monthly or whatever interval subscription you choose. So uh, check it out, and thank, thank you, Pressery. Um, so what have we been up to? Yeah. What have we been up to? All kinds of stuff as we alluded to. All sorts of traveling. Um, (laughs) we started with, well, we were in Arizona a lot this winter and then we uh, had our team camp and then we went back one more time for a weekend of racing with a few of the riders from our team for the cactus cup. So this was the first week of March is when this was, right? I had not even remembered. (laughs) And Cactus Cup is outside of Phoenix, Arizona, McDowell Mountain Regional Park, Um, a very popular purpose-built cross-country mountain bike racing area. There's a couple, three different loops in there. Um, And so it's really cool. It's one of your favorite tracks, I think. Uh, The competitive loop where we did the time trial is definitely like my favorite place ever to race, Mm -hmm. ever, ever, ever. And the park in general, I just love. You know, day two, we had a 40-mile cross-country course, and I don't think we repeated one trail. And that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, there's that's about, a huge park. Yeah, there's about 50 or more miles of si- single track. Mm-hmm. So you could, you know, link them all together and do about 50 miles or so Yeah. Um, without right. repeating anything. All within that park. And then there's actually more trails that branch out beyond that. Brown's Ranch and some mm-hmm. of the southern, um, I don't even know what they're called, but the southern end of the McDowell's and stuff. Um, so, yeah, really cool area to be. But the Cactus Cup, so it's a three-day stage race. It's it's a little different um, because it incorporates a time trial that was about four or five miles, I think, um, on Friday afternoon. And then it was a long cross-country, like you said, it was like 42 miles, I think, um, but it's fast, the trails out there, anyone not familiar. So I think it was like two and a half hours for the faster times. Yeah, um, and then Sophia was three hours and I was just behind her in 310. Right. So it's like not quite a marathon duration, but it's longer than a cross country. Mm. It's sort of a hybrid in between it the two. It was a little painful. I wasn't <laughs> in shape yet for a three hour hard effort. Right, right. And then su- that's Saturday. And then Sunday, they wrap it up with a unique like sort of XC enduro format so it's like a it was like a 25 mile loop was with, it even that far remember how quick yeah, we finished right. I, I think it was way quicker i think it was that. shorter they short shortened it compared to previous years um yeah maybe it was shorter 
It, well, it took us about 90 minutes to do Yeah, the that's loop. not 25 miles. Yeah, we were, and we were, because we were piddling, piddling along, chatting with each other in between segments. Yeah. Which so the, is the, the fun part of Enduro. Right. And there's three segments. Um, one was like, I can't remember exactly, like a six minute one, a two minute one, and another two minute one yeah. or something. Um, and they were all mostly downhill, but it's not like your typical gnarly Enduro downhill. It's like cross country downhill. So, um, but, Fun, nonetheless. And, oh, I uh, love the whole weekend. Yeah, so we had... That was sort of our season opener. Mm-hmm. We had a handful of the We Devo riders, We Development riders. We both raced. Um, we both won our age groups. We won our 40-plus groups. <laughs> um, so that's fun. But that was a great way to kick off the yeah the season. I loved it. I, I particularly loved the time trial format on mm. Friday. Mm-hmm. I didn't really think I would. and In fact, I, I was pretty nervous about it. Well, because I wasn't sure how it all play out, like how many people would end up being on the track at once, the loop at once. But yeah. and there were a few people like caught because the older gentlemen start before my age group, and that was a little tricky. There was like a man sprawled out along the trail. I'm like, please move, 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 move. Um, but it was like fast and furious. I think for me it was 24 minutes. Um, my heart rate got higher than I've seen in like five years. Really? So I'm still alive. Right. Still feeling early season will do that to you. Yeah, it was it was super cool though, um, and I I feel like I crushed it, and it just made me feel really confident about moving forward through the season. Honestly, cool. Yeah, I mean it was fun to. I mean that was our first race, and no, we did white tanks right before. Oh, that's right. I already forgot about white tanks. That was earlier, like early February or something. Yeah, it's all blurred. no. In fact, I was glad we had already done white tanks and kind of had that experience of oh my god, this is so painful. Because then I wasn't so freaked out when I, my heart rate got that high in right. the time trial. You know, I had already visited that that painful zone. Right, right. and when Which we'll talk about coming up. Yeah, when you're talking about doing your first race of the year, especially like high intensity, like mountain bike racing, um, it's not uncommon to see sort of like your highest heart mm-hmm. rates of the whole season early on because you're usually speaking, you're fresh eager, all those sorts of things. Um, we happen to be at a lower elevation oh, that's true. than what that we're part. used to as well. So that'll allow you to get up a bit more, but, um, but yeah, that's great to, to blow out the system. And we'll talk about that coming up here. Um, and then, at, so that was March. Then we had, it was the next weekend, the next week that I flew to Puerto Rico with Toby and Sophia, members of our We Development team. And met Nico, Mia, I think. And Mia's dad. And Mia's dad. And um, I flew back home to Denver. Right. So I met them in Puerto Rico. And so Puerto Rico was the first junior series of the UCI level um, cross country mountain bike racing. So for the like highest level juniors competing, like looking to compete in the highest level, they raced in the UCI category, 17, 18. And this was the first race um, in North America, at least, uh, to offer the points and whatnot to start working their way towards like a world championship bid or whatever. So um, Puerto Rico, and there were it was back to back weekends of racing, um, so kind of made it worthwhile to go out there. Um, they had the first weekend was a, a race called the Tropical Challenge. These and they were actually both race weekends, both races were on the same exact course, which is sort of unusual, um, but not unheard of because actually Arkansas was the same sort of setup. Um, but they, so we got to go out there, do the two races. Um, I raced as well. They had a master's division. Oh, I forgot to say this. So the second weekend was then what's called the continental championships or Pan American championships. So a big deal event, um, a little strange that it was so early in the year. Right, right. But it drew a good group of competitors from yeah. like Central America, South America, mm-hmm. and obviously the domestic United States. Right. So there are a lot of Americans, um, a lot of Puerto Ricans, obviously, and then yeah, Mexicans. The and Colombians had a strong of, showing. Yeah, tons of uh, Pan American countries coming. So um, it was competitive and, and great. Um, the kids did really well. Uh, I'm trying to think. I should have take, probably jotted down better notes. But I, Toby stands out as the, the shining star in my mind, just having such a great race in the Pan Ams. Um, 
and really kind of probably his best race to date. So he finished sixth in, in the Pan Ams. And that was with no call-up points. And for those that are unfamiliar with cross-country mountain bike race starts, when you have a field of 60 or 70 riders like the it's juniors brutal. did, um, if you're not in the first couple of rows, you're at an extreme disadvantage um, because the more often than not, you know, the starts funnel down rather quickly. Um, Inevitably, there's some sort of pileup. Often, yeah, there's a pileup, so you don't want to be caught behind that. So he was, he wasn't back row, but he was back half and mm-hmm. worked his way up to six, which was really great. Um, and then Mia had some, I don't want to misspeak. Yeah, but I think there Mia were, and Sophia both podiumed at least once. Yeah, at least once. Um, they were they both had solid races. Yeah, it was very successful um, and a great experience for, for everyone that attended. How much of a shock to your system was the weather change? Yeah, so that I'm glad you brought that up. That was a big shock because um, it had been winter, and then you go to Puerto Rico, and it's always summer in Puerto Rico, apparently. Well, we had been in somewhat nice weather in Arizona, but it was not at all the same as going to a humid climate yeah. Like Puerto Rico, right? Well, even Arizona, the week prior for the Enduro, I think I wore leg warmers. Oh, that's true. That's true. Because it was an early morning start, and, you know, you get the brisk yeah. morning desert air and blah, blah, blah. Puerto Rico is a low of 75, a high of 85 with – it wasn't actually overly humid, which was nice. Um, but, you know, 50% humidity, maybe mm-hmm. something around there. Um, so it was warm and sunny and dry. And dusty on the course. And some dust, but not not horrible. Um it's probably dustier in Arizona than, than there. Oh, okay. But, um, but yeah, so that was a bit of a shock to the system because it was hot enough that things like ice vests were seen, you know, having cold water, a lot of like water dumping on your head to keep you cool on the laps and things like that, that you, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have necessarily done in the continental U.S. where it would be still cool in March. Yeah, I think you – we talked on the phone right after the first weekend, the Tropical Challenge, and you – we're talking about the red faces and like people looking really horrible after that yeah. first race and like having to go to the med tent right. and get some ice and even some IVs. Right, right. And then, yeah, and it was interesting because for the so for North Americans, we were coming out of winter, mm-hmm. but actually the South Americans were at the end of their summer. Um, so they were used to it, but anyone from the United States. A bit of a shock. Yeah, it was hot. I mean, even coming from Arizona or something, it was still hot, um, relative. And um, so, yeah, interesting dynamic, great experience. Um, and, oh, like I said, I got to race. They did have, like, a master's competition in the Pan American race, which was awesome. Um, I finished third. There were these two really strong um, Chilean guys that apparently later on I found out are pretty well-known in South America for being dominant in the... 40 plus um, group and it was a tight battle. Um, well, they had each other to help. Yeah. They basically rode together and I was like just off the back because uh, I'm not a great starter. Um, I made like a little bobble, a little gap created and that was kind of that. I couldn't quite like. I thought you it, also but... said that you guys got, you particularly got hung up behind a few guys who you caught. Yeah. There was lap traffic. So the courses are very short, um, like, three-ish miles maybe at the most. And so you did five or six laps. I can't remember exactly. So lapped traffic became an issue. And once that starts happening, you're kind of hosed if you're not leading. So that's an unfortunate part of waved r- races on a short course like that. But, I mean, yeah, you got to be in the front. That's all race strategy too. So um, at any rate, it was fun. And um, I, I enjoyed the course a lot. And then we came back from... Puerto Rico. I think we had one week off and then... No, two weeks off. I two think. weeks off and then off to Arkansas um, in the Fayetteville area of Arkansas, so northwestern corner of Arkansas. Yeah, it was... So we drove the RV beautiful. out. Beautiful. Yeah, we, we took the trek through Kansas, which is just the most miserable drive. But once we hit uh, Oklahoma, I actually started really enjoying the drive. Mm-hmm. It, the, the trees are pretty, the hills are starting to become more rolling and then you hit Arkansas and that continues and it was a very pleasant surprise at how much we liked Fayetteville. Yeah, it was really nice. Um the city and and then so they purpose built again this in this park in the middle of the city. <clears throat> um 
this cross country mountain biking track. And yeah, I, didn't it take like two years to make something like that? And they are going to have a a cyclocross world cup, I believe, this year. Okay. Um, and the goal, I, th- I think it's like world championships are slated for the next year. Wow. Um, 2022 or I can't remember the exact number. I think it's confusing with cross because it crosses over the new year. But then there's some like interesting political things going on with the LGBTQ community and, um, and, and Arkansas, some legislations that were passed and stuff. So I'm, I'm reading things that they might actually, the UCI may actually choose to move somewhere else, which would be, I know that those things are important, but I'm speaking strictly of the cycling community. They put tons of effort into those courses and money and they are amazing, but, um, well, I hope they can work that out because it is a wonderful venue. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we'll stick to the venue speaking. And, yeah, it, so this particular venue for our mountain bike race, I think they want to eventually have a World Cup because the trail system was called – or the, the course that the UCI races did was called the UC – no, World Cup course or something. U, like a U.S. Cup. No, World – it said Oh, it said World, World Cup. Cup on it? Yeah. Well, it definitely was um, elite level. And when I saw a few of the features – I felt dizzy and nauseous and I had to sit down and I was very glad we weren't, you and I weren't racing that course, but I had a lot of anxiety and concern about our daughter and the other riders doing these features. It was something. Yeah. I mean, it was legitimate. I mean, this was, like I said, purpose built, basically a hundred percent man-made, which is the way that XEO, Olympic Cross, cross-country Olympic format of racing is going because they want to make it spectator-friendly, filmable for TV, etc. Um, so they're very short laps, and the laps kind of revolve like a one-center area, like where the start expo area, team area is. Um, so it was made 100% with that in mind. So riding it, I'm speaking purely of myself, from being, I'm 40-plus years old, I come from the old school, I've been doing this my whole life, it's like not normal. This is like not really, in my opinion, mountain biking, but it is cross country Olympic mountain bike racing. Uh, it's a racing track, not mountain biking, in my opinion. Um, but for what it is, it's amazing. I mean, they did an outstanding job. I know all the elites, you know, all the UCI racers, juniors and elites, you know, were raving about it. It's great. But like you said, it had very, um, intense bike park like features big drops big jumps um you know all kinds of things so someone with good bike handling skills was heavily heavily rewarded um and that's just the way that this format of racing is going so so well done to the course designers um i think everyone that did that race probably not everyone but most people enjoyed it um well it uh, was (laughs) it was something and if anyone's curious to see um, more about the features we're mentioning, the gap jumps and the drops, you can check out like our our social media feed um, on Instagram specifically, like weight endurance, because we posted videos and, and photos. It is really quite amazing and challenging for everybody. Like I saw the pro women practicing the, the features and there was some nervousness oh, yeah. and, and some of them definitely chose the B lines. Right, right. So... And it's really cool because it is, and I think this was their goal starting out, the the race promoters and the course designers was to like, let's make a track that's true to World Cup level racing, you know? So when our American kids maybe make it over to Europe or where the World Cups are, mm-hmm. most of them are in Europe, um, they, they, can, they can compete. They can compete. Yeah. Right. They're somewhat familiar with this style of racing because outside of Fayetteville, I'm sure there's a few others around the country that I'm not familiar with, but there's nothing like that really in Colorado. There's Mm-mm. nothing like that in Arizona. Um, and you know, it is unique and it is the way the sport's going. So, so those races were called the U S cup, I believe, right? There's so many letters and it was like yeah, the u.s was, cup uci june yeah a lot of letters and it was series. like oz trails number one and then the next weekend was oz, oz trails number two or yeah something like that so it was more or less the same course with slight subtle variations between the weekends um for the two um and again we had some good showings from our team i think we had 90 percent of our our team out there which was great and um 
really good. But that was a busy week for sure. Oh my or gosh. busy 10 days because we were there, yeah. drove the RV out. You know, we got there, I think, Thursday before the weekend and then through the entire next weekend um, and staying like the the teams were in a rental house. Our team was in a rental house. We were in the RV outside the rental house, but it was raining frequently. <laughs> it was muddy at times. Um, so there was a lot of cleaning and bike repair and bottom bracket replacements and, and just so many tire, a lot meals of flat tires oh, yeah so many flat tires yeah the, the we all had to figure Near out that the air pressure in our tires for that different kind of course than we see in colorado a lot of learning there mm-hmm. um yeah, i think someone broke a couple rims yeah, I think yeah we, fig- we figured it out mostly we unfortunately um i think mia had flats that the last cross-country race which was such a disappointment um, but in general, everyone um, no everyone walked away unscathed, like no broken bones. A few wipeouts, but a few minor. wipeouts. Yeah. Sophia had a pretty nasty crash in the first weekend's cross country course, and it was scary. But she was very fortunate that it was mostly just like some some bloody abrasions, and it could have been worse. So crashes happen because these courses are tricky and they're fast. There's a lot of kids smushed into one. Mm-hmm. To one track, especially if you're in the the male category. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't envy them. Yeah, and it's it was rocky and high speeds, which mm-hmm. com- combined turns into flats and broken wheels, which happened to not only some of our riders but other people throughout the weeks pre riding, not always in the race, but pre riding and whatnot. So, um, but great experience for everyone, I think. And I know I was exhausted. Oh my gosh. I've never been more tired in my entire life. At the end, yeah. And so, and to that note, like we had, there was amateur racing as well, masters racing and in, in like category ones and twos and whatnot. Um, on a different course, there was a longer like five mile lap for that. Mm-hmm. Um, one weekend they ran it one direction, the next weekend they ran it a different direction. And then, but then it ended up raining and they, completely changed it the second weekend yeah i'd like to say a few things about that so the the first weekend you and i both were not sure how it would go because these trails are very different than what we're used to and they were wet but i think we both had fun Mm -hmm. you know they're kind of muddy and i enjoyed the first race yeah we slipped in we slipped around a little bit but in fact i ended up enjoying it way more than i thought for sure pre-riding i was sort of grumpy because i was like this is not mountain biking this is like a a bike park and (laughs) and then it was it was muddy on top of it it's like i don't i don't ride well in the mud anyway because i don't have much experience with it and um i was like this isn't gonna be that fun but then in the race i actually loved it and it was wet and cold i wore i mean i was wearing like leg warmers in the race it was freezing when i was warming up but yeah i loved it yeah i thought it was good and i there was actually no one for me to compete with um so i just used it as a good training really hard training effort and practiced getting gels in when it's sort of awkward and twisty Mm -hmm. so that was sort of my goal for that weekend and it worked out really well yeah great skill work for sure um and then the next weekend I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to race because you had decided to pull the plug. Like, you're just too tired. It's really hard to be a coach and a racer yeah, for sure. at, the, at the same time. Um, so you decided not to race. And I th- I said, you know, I think I think I will. I think I will. And then it rained really hard all night Friday again. Which was a big part of my decision of that one. <laughs> <laughs> so Saturday morning I woke up and I thought, I still haven't decided. I was like 50-50, honestly. Mm-hmm. And, and the race, I thought think was going to start around 11 and we got an email that it was delayed due to rain till two and right oh, away right. i was yeah. kind of grumpy about that like i i just want to race first thing in the morning and be done with it mm-hmm. i hate the the waiting game that's what makes me feel nauseous and nervous and <laughs> then i wonder why i'm even doing this sport <laughs> um and then we heard that we weren't going to do the full five mile loop or whatever it was mm-hmm. and we were going to do like a short track almost like what the the UCI kids did for yeah. their short track. It was on like Fridays. a long short track. It was like, yeah, course. so I think they had a 0.9 mile course and we were going to do 1.2. Well, I decided just to go for it. If nothing else, it was going to be like my way to face a fear. It was a really scary format for me and I didn't really want to race in the mud. And it, there's some technical features on the, on the short track course that made me feel nervous, but I decided I would just face my fears and do it. Yeah. So it was pretty challenging. Um, to the pace was set pretty high by a, a, another woman in my age group who showed up and she's a, a person I've competed with before. She's really good. And I thought, no, I'll just stay right with her. And I'm like maneuvering the mud. It's sort of, just sort of crazy out there, but I'm okay for like the first three of eight laps. Mm-hmm. 
And then the lap traffic started. Right. I did not think about that. Right. So we're talking a short lap. Do you remember how long minutes-wise they took? Like eight minutes or something? They were quick. I don't even remember. Yeah, seven or eight minutes. Um, Something like that. And so they had all of the Cat 1 amateur riders. And this is not to criticize the race promoters. I think what happened is the five-mile lap was being compromised by the weather. So they yeah. had to like come up with some, it was like cancel the race or come up with this other alternative of this like long short track race. Cause the short track course is more on soil and whatnot. They could handle the mm-hmm. rain and mud and traffic. But anyway, you have the short loop, you have all the cat one waves. And to be honest, there weren't like that many people, but there was enough. And if you're doing eight laps, eight to 10 laps, depending on male, female and what category, there was going to be some serious And why that didn't cross my mind, I have no idea. Right. There were like multiple, like I think the elite, the the pro cat or cat one men or they had like a pro. Yeah, like the cat one pro men and then the the cat one 15, 16, 17, 18. Yeah. So they ended up lapping you. Twice. Twice because you started minutes behind them Mm -hmm. on a lap that only took them six minutes. So they were almost catching up to you by the time you started. So it was a little chaotic. Honestly, it was (laughs) terrifying. It was terrifying. And I slipped and fell. Because I was worried about them flying by me, and then I lost the girl I was with, and then I sort of didn't care anymore, and then I fell again, and mm-hmm. I really didn't care. <laughs> I just wanted to make it through. Yeah. Um, it was like a cross, like a rocky cross race. It was like a cross race. It was, what way. was hard is there was one good line in the mud, and even that line wasn't very good, and then when the guys would fly by you, they would take the good line, and, and you were- pushed Yeah. Out. Yeah. So I did cry afterwards because I had been stressed out for 75 minutes. But um, but it was a great experience. It was a great experience. To do something completely out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And, um, on many fronts, I mean, adding lots of traffic, lots of mud, and like a rocky course that we're not used to where we race mostly. <laughs> so so kudos to you. Um, oh, thanks, bud. On that. And like you mentioned, I chose not to do it earlier in the week, but um, the rain in the forecast definitely like solidified my decision. But yeah, I was just really gassed from helping coach doing my job basically and just decided like these races aren't really important to me, but they are important to the kids. So I wanted to put that first. And then also thinking more long-term, like originally when I set up the season, it was, I was going to be peaking for the Whiskey 50, which was going to be the next weekend. Um, but with that being canceled a month or so ago, it sort of erased like my A race for the spring. Um, so it kind of like my motivation kind of dipped severely. And then I just said, you know what, let's like take a break here. I'll do the, you know, do my job as best I can for the kids and then hit the reset button for Leadville training. So now Leadville in August is now my A race for the season. Um, so instead of trying to have a spring A race and a summer A race, it was like, get to a decent level of fitness in spring. And then I'm recovered. I took a week off and then now building up to Leadville. So, well, Leadville's a very important race for you and you have some unfinished business there. Yeah. Yeah. So and that, that one, that one's getting me excited. I was, I was having difficulty like getting excited for these cross country races for me personally. Um, they aren't really, they, I enjoy doing them, but I don't know. There's not enough of like a excitement buildup, I guess. And yeah, Leadville I think, has. That. I think you enjoy watching them. Yeah, more watching than them you is great. I love like them. racing them because yeah. I'll speak for myself. I had a very fun time watching the riders race the two short tracks and the two cross country. Yeah. Oh, totally fun to to watch for sure. Um. All right. So that was a long. What have we been up to? But I guess when it's been two months since we last. Yeah, people. and I barely said anything. <laughs> <laughs> Um, is that a hint? I should stop. Talking. No, no, okay. no, no. I didn't mean that. I meant I could ramble more. Oh, right, right. There's so much more to share. All right. Well, if you want more information and race reports, um, just give me a call. Direct message us or call us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure everyone's gonna do that as soon as we finish up here. Um, all right. So let's get onto the 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 main meat of this first event prep series one here. And like we said, like I said at the beginning, we want to make these fairly short. Um, starting now, starting now, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so early season racing. So that's basically what we just sort of recapped of what we've been doing in weed development. Um, you know, these for the most part are your C and B events in your ATP, your annual training plan that are helping you build up to your A events. So to use the weed development team as an example, 
we w- we had their training program built up to have them kind of peak for those um, Arkansas races and then also the Soldier Hollow UCI. It's sort of the last UCI race in our little spring build that we targeted um, for, for our riders to kind of peak. So they're in a, a little bit of a different situation where they're peaking, kind of peaking for three, three, four weeks, which is tough to do. Um, but the way the races were kind of clumped together like that, that's what we decided. And so those races, Cactus Cup, well, if you want to go way back, the um, White Tanks race um, in Arizona, like in early February, Cactus Cup in March, even Puerto Rico, even though that was a big Pan Am championship race, we treated it more like a stepping stone, like a B race on our way to the A races um, for the group as a whole, for the team as a whole. And so these early season races or those C and B events as you're working up to your to your peak. Um, and you want to use them, those early season races as part of your training, you know, to build fitness for your A race and also to build that race, what we call race readiness. Um, you know, your ability to be like ready to perform on your A race date. Um, right. Cause some people think to themselves, oh, why would I race in March? Why would I race in April? I- I'm not in shape yet. Like I'm going to be embarrassed or it's 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 too early right but there's there's so many benefits to the early season racing and we just experienced it so i'm pretty excited to talk about it yeah yeah and you nailed it and it's like use these b and c races you know that maybe going into them have a little less pressure and you know you can you know you kind of know going in you're more than likely going to make some mistakes and then you can learn from those and so you can minimize making mistakes maybe in your a race that mm-hmm. follows so um and then the other last thing too and i've always said this is like a lot of effort goes into training a lot of time and effort for your a race you know many weeks if not months and um you know why limit yourself to one event i know a lot of people do do that be- for whatever reasons they have and they'll have this one race and they you build up to it and that's that but why not along the way get some other races because you're going to be fit along the the journey to that a race why not um flex it as they say flex your fitness and have fun racing get a few extra races in that um that said as a slight side note i have been a big fan of doing a lot of build-up b c and b races in years past but maybe it's this year because i'm older or just busier with the team or what but like i'm finding i actually probably need to have fewer c and b races than i have historically because I th- I'm chalking it up mostly to being getting older. That like I only have so much energy and reserve to, and I need to parcel it out. Is that the right word? Parse. Parse. Parse, parse it out, it out um, appropriately. So I'm top notch on the A race day. But I would say that goes hand in hand with the energy that it takes to run the team. Because if you only have so much energy just in general, and you're true. like pouring your heart and soul and time into the kids and That's the true. race is helping them like fix their bikes and we're giving them pep talks. Yeah. It, it does really drain you. That's a good point. Cause even though I didn't race, well, I did the first race in Arkansas, but kind of half-heartedly. And then I didn't race the second one, but I was still at the races and it was a lot of the same sort of preparation. So yeah. it almost counts as a, as a race in terms of for your stress and right. anticipation, I suppose. So. Yeah. I, I didn't sleep well the night before the kids race. Cause I was concerned for them. Like, mm-hmm. especially because the course was so technical. I, ha- I had a lot of like mom anxiety for everybody. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think just in general, we're both realizing that maybe we're not going to race as frequently because our energy is, is finite. Right. Cause I used to stack up in a season, just mountain bike races, you know, I do a dozen or more, but well, um, people listening have the same issues. They, they have kids and jobs and yeah. dogs and, parents and- yeah so don't overload is what i'm yeah. getting at like i've done in years past but that's more when it was i was racing professionally and right y- your life is built around that um but make sure you get at least a couple of c and b races on your way up with those early season races um so let's talk real quickly about like the benefits right so and a lot of these we experienced over the last several weeks and also saw with our we development riders um, I mean, I think first and foremost, the classic saying is like blowing out the pipes or blowing out the system, right? That first race effort of the season, early season race is like always a shocker. 
It's always a shocker. And that ties into the second point you said, first races always feel hard. Mm-hmm. But my first race this year, I think it was the same as you, as yours. It was the white tanks in Arizona. And the guy said, start. And I started. And one minute in, I thought, holy bleepity bleep. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing? Right. Like the, the, the group was going so hard and I wasn't ready for it. I, I really hadn't even done any high intensity intervals yet. Mm-hmm. It was so painful. Yeah. For sure. And, and yeah, so first races always feel hard and they, sometimes they feel like quote unquote bad too. And I think a lot of that is almost more mental because mm-hmm. if you've done months of training, like all your base training and prep, you know, prepping and you, you, hopefully you're feeling great and amazing and your motivation super high and your expectations often are also quite high. Mm-hmm. And then that first race slaps you in the face and then you can walk away with it like oh that was terrible I felt bad or or that really hurt or whatever kind of taking how did you actually perform out of the equation um so they always feel harder and you often think you're not performing as well as maybe you are um and then it's also tricky too because what your first race is might not be your competitor's first race so it's possible like Puerto Rico for example the South Americans, they were at the end of their season. They're, well, I should say the end of their summer. They're still getting in maybe. Um, right, but they had been racing. But they had many races, yeah. and This wasn't their blowout. Right. This was their, yeah, and maybe some people their fifth or sixth. From North America, this might have been their first mm-hmm. race of the season, right? So, Well, do you remember when we were down in White Tanks and and we were even pre-writing and Sophia like bobbled a really easy little rock to go over and we, mm-hmm. we teased her? Because she hadn't really been on her mountain bike yet. She hadn't been on the trails. And right. she felt super awkward. And I I felt that way at the same course, like going down that tricky little descent on the backside of the mountain. Mm-hmm. And that right there is that's the shock to the system, too. If, you, if you've been on your trainer indoors in your garage for four months. Right. And then you go to a warm climate and you're supposed to race fast on trails. Uh, may not feel very smooth right or if you've been doing your base training all by yourself and now you're in a yeah, elbow road race. To elbow with yeah people. in the peloton you know you got to get that back so those are all definite like benefits to why mm-hmm. you know you want to be include these early season events um you know the and there's no better training in my opinion than racing but you it's so good and so intense that you can only do so much racing um but in implementing some CMB races, early season races in there um, is really great training as well because the demands are more exact to racing because you are racing compared to endurance rides, which mm-hmm. are inevitably just longer and slower maybe. And then intervals, which are just like way too controlled and structured, which is great for progressing your fitness. But when you get thrown into a race, you know, it's not controlled and progressive right and if you're a really super competitive person um like i am maybe push yourself further than you would ever push yourself in a workout when you're racing right. and that's how i look at that time trial i did at cactus cup mm-hmm. and my heart rate was so high and i had good power numbers i think i had done a power test like a few weeks earlier and hadn't come close to that heart rate because i just couldn't like muster the care mm-hmm, i guess mm-hmm. i couldn't I, try, I mean i went hard right but i couldn't really muster like the extra special effort right and for me that only comes out in a race so that time trial at the cactus cup oh, yeah you it was like you just raised yourself to the next level right and that's that's fun to do yeah and then that's great training as well mm-hmm. because now you've pushed yourself completely to and maybe even a little above a normal like race effort so um good example on that and then other things like we've mentioned so Things that only really come in a race environment, things like fast starts, mm-hmm. particularly in mountain bike racing, um, also cyclocross racing, maybe a crit race if you're trying to like get off the front early or something like that. Um, not so much in like long distance events, but um, but nonetheless, fast starts, being in a group like we mentioned, whether it be in a peloton in a road race or elbow to elbow at a start of a cross country race or, or cyclocross race. Um, and then also honing in like the strategies of racing, kind of honing that race craft a little bit, because inevitably every race, we everyone makes makes mistakes and then hopefully does a few things right. And you want to get some races under your belt to get that feeling going again and learning and re- remembering like, oh, yeah, OK, that's you know, how we do pacing and that's how we do mm-hmm. our fueling, how we consume a gel on a rocky stretch or, or whatever the case may be. And then getting used to the surges and attacks and things that 
inevitably happen in a mass start event. Yeah, I, I want to share a little story about yeah. all of that. Um, the strategies particularly. So the second weekend of racing in Arkansas, when I wasn't quite sure if I were going to race, um, but I, I think part of me in the back of my mind knew I was going to. So when I woke up Saturday morning, I lay there in bed and I, I spent about an hour. You were still asleep and I didn't want to move and bother you. So I spent about an hour visualizing racing with my competitor, the mm-hmm. one I knew would be there. Right. And I was like picturing how I would race the actual race. Like I was going to let her lead. I was going to be on her wheel and I was going to, you know, I knew she was a little bit better on the descents and I was going to stick right there and I would just be patient on the climbs. And I did like this whole mental yeah. like exercise to picture it. Um, I, I don't know if I pictured fueling, but I'd practiced that the weekend before. So I felt like I was pretty dialed in on that. Okay. Um, and, and I did actually ex- execute the plan perfectly until the men started flying by me and it flustered me and then I fell. But <laughs> <laughs> I think that's really important, like, yeah. right? Like if this is a, if this is an important race for you, or it's going to be a race where you know, a, a competitor is there or like a kind of a scary new situation, really picturing those mental strategies beforehand. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And especially if you haven't raced in a while, but I would argue almost for any race, like, Oh, I think for any race visualization in the, the, the week leading up to it or, um, yeah, the, the morning of when you, before you've gotten out of bed, like really picturing. And we tried to encourage that with the kids in the team too. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Like, okay, Sophia, you know that these girls are gunning for you. Like picture what, what's going to happen and right. see if you can, you know, be more prepared when you get to the, the start line. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, so all that to be said, like um, this is why, you know, hopefully listeners, you know, you have like your target races, events picked out, but don't try not to just show up to that without having some early preseason C and B level races. The most important part to me about early season racing is all the learning that happens. Absolutely. That's I mean, probably the main It is thing. like, you could put that in bold letters, like the learning experience. Right. You always say that you can't count or you can't, um, you can't worry about who shows up, mm-hmm. you know, like the best person in the world could show up. Yeah. You, you can't, can't control, control that. The competitors, right? yeah. So what can you control? What can you learn from an early season race? That is crucial. If it's, you got, you finally got the right amount of calories in, right. or you had a better start than normal, or you paced yourself really well. Um, you, I mean, those things are so important Absolutely. And, and you can take that away from it. Like, in fact, I think it was Tristan. No, no, it's Luca. So one of the kids on our team, Luca, he, um, had the most amazing lap splits and mm-hmm. I, yeah, his, pacing was, his pacing was beautiful. So like, I just like lavish praise on him for that. Like it didn't matter what place he got, like he paced it so beautifully and he was really proud of himself and mm-hmm. the pacing is tied into fueling. So mm-hmm. therefore you also fueled well. So congratulations, Luca on two things right. that you nailed. And that's in my opinion, way more important than placing. Right. Absolutely. I mean, and that leads right into like the whole concept of like race readiness. So you do these, preseason cmb events early season races to help you prepare to be ready for your more important races your a races so um and that's exactly it's like practicing the racing like it's race practice to do racing um gaining experience um helps you dial in like your equipment choices and race week and day race day logistics of like how that all pans out planning for that you know fueling like you mentioned um and then also things like warm-ups um also take a little bit of practice even if you've been racing for years when you come back early season it's like oh yeah i gotta remember how to do a warm-up or um and especially if you missed all of last year's racing so it's maybe it's been two years since you've raced so um all those sorts of things so yeah, this has been really great. I hope our listeners have enjoyed this and encourage them if they don't already have some preseason, early season CB races to find a couple in your area um, to do them. And then we will um, follow up with five more shorter episodes um, this week and next week that are going to tackle more specifically kind of some things you, you were discussing, right. like, it, like fueling, it, right, exactly. warm-ups, the race day logistics, um, you know, all those sorts of things, so as we enter racing season. Yeah. I hope people can find races to, to sign up for and, and be brave. Like try something different. Like the time trial, I, I didn't really realize I love it so much. And, and I think I'm going to do the same thing in Utah next weekend. Right. Um, I just talked to a girl who trained with us over the winter in base builder, Crystal, and she tried her first 
road race down in Pueblo on Saturday and her first crit ever on Sunday. And she was scared to death and she had a blast. Yeah. And sea races in particular are great to do something different out of the ordinary that you maybe don't have never done or don't do very often. Um, and also, you know, if you're training, say, for a long distance and endurance event, your sea races can be a road race or a crit or a short cross-country race. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do different distances, different disciplines um, to kind of mix it up because you're still gaining that race preparation experience and dealing with, like, all of that, getting ready to race, warming up, fueling, mm-hmm. you know, all that sorts of stuff that you get to learn from as you move forward. So, um, good. Anything else to throw in there? Well, um, why don't you plug your race prep training plans if people are needing some guidance for the next several months? Sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you are getting ready to race, you know, we do have race prep training plans available on our website. Um, we also have, um, custom training plans and these are actually really great because I build the plan around not only their A race, but the C and B races included in there, um, as well as like work trips or vacations or family time, you know, things like that. Um, so those custom training plans are a good option there. So we can kind of build everything around that. And you can find more information on our website, weightendurance.com and click on the custom training plans to get started. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's all I've got. If anyone has any other additional questions, feel free to email them to us, um, Cody at teamweight.com or Kathy at teamweight.com. And, um, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. And as always, if you can take a few minutes and leave a rating and review with your, um, and share with your cycling friends, we'd really appreciate it. Yeah. The rating and reviews on the, on the show help us in the ranking. Yeah. So. Well, thanks for listening. We're, We're glad back. to be back. Yep. We'll get you lots of content here over the next two weeks. So, um, stay tuned. <laughs> All right. Take care. Bye. Everything we discuss on the Weight Endurance Podcast, we integrate into our annual Base Builder training program and downloadable training plans. Our Base Builder program is an annual online virtual group training program with us as your coaches, allowing you to build your best cycling-based fitness possible to prepare you for your next riding season. We also offer downloadable training plans for base building, cycling-specific strength training, and specialized race preparation for road, gravel, mountain bike racing, and everything in between. Consider our training plan subscription service, where you gain access to all of our training plans for as little as $20 per month. This allows you to easily switch between plans to create your most complete annual training progression. Regardless of the type of cyclist you are, by becoming a part of the weight endurance training community, you're allowing us to help you become a fitter and faster cyclist.